so often, and it sounds kind of cliche, you know, it's good to be in the house of God. But when you really think about it, it's good to be in the house of God. I've been in a lot of houses before. <laughs> I've been in a crack house. I've been in a jail house. Amen. I've never been to the White House. I've been without a house. I've been homeless. And out of all the houses I've been to, there ain't no place like the house of God. You know, and it is. We say it often, and sometimes it's just like, it's almost like a thing to say, but sometimes I like to think about, you know, some, some things that we say when I was like, man, you know what? There is no place that I would rather be. It is good to be in the house of God. And I was like, you know what? I've been in a lot of houses before, but none of them compared to the house of God. Ah, amen. And tonight I'm going to be ministering on get ready for your transition. Oh, come on. I'm going to minister to somebody tonight. Get ready for your transition. See, the word transition means the process or the period of changing from one condition to another. Oh, I'm going to minister to somebody tonight. I know I am. It's the process or the period of changing from one condition to another. Sometimes we find ourselves in a condition for so long, we can't wait to change the condition that we're in. Sometimes we find ourselves in a season that the season of so long, we can't wait for that period to end. Sometimes we're in a place in our mind, in our heart, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and we need a transition. And I can tell you tonight, I can bear witness by the Spirit of God that we're in the transition stage right now. God is doing doing something, God is moving, God is showing us evidence by giving us a new building, God is showing us evidence by what he's doing in our heart, that we're in a transition stage. And we need to get ready for that transition. We need to have our ears and our eyes open to see and to flow with the transition of God. Because I know that as a church, we've been on, 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 a, on, a, on, a, on a ride this last year. And some of us have gone through so many different things that I know that I can say that I am ready for a transition and I want to be in the right place. I want to be in the right place at the right time. I want to have the right attitude. I want to have my mind clear. I want to have my heart right when that transition happens because I want to be right under the blessing of God that the blessing of God could fall right on me. Because I don't know about you guys, but I know that I can use the blessing of God. I can use the favor of God. I can use the presence of God in my life. It's, you know, Pastor Reggie said something real powerful uh, a few services ago. And he said, you know, God is not a feeling. God is not a feeling. Just because we don't feel God, it doesn't mean he's not there. He said, God is not a feeling, but thank God when we do feel him. Oh, if you've ever been through a dry season where you didn't feel God and then the presence of God just came upon you again, you're like, man, thank you, Jesus. I needed that touch of the Holy Ghost. I needed that presence of God in my life because I started feeling a little bit dry. So tonight I'm going to minister on get ready for your transition and, and turn your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes and, in, and it's a chapter number seven and verse number eight. And I thought that this verse here was appropriate for what God is doing right now so we can understand what God is doing. Because sometimes we get caught up in the now. Sometimes we're so consumed by the now. 
Sometimes we're so blinded even by the now that's right in front of us that we forget that there's greater things ahead. Has anybody ever got stuck in the now? Sometimes getting stuck in the now is a dangerous place. We need to have that, that vision. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it says without prophetic vision, without vision, without vision, his people perish. They fade away. They die out. And it's important to be able to see. And the Bible says here in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number seven and verse number eight, it says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. I'm going to say it one more time. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Father, we just come before you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for your word. We pray that you minister to our heart. We pray that your word speak to us, Father, more of you and less of me. That you would guide us, dear Heavenly Father, in our understanding to know what you're doing in this season. And we just thank you, Father, for everything you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, tonight I just wanna, I just wanna see it, man. I wanna see it. I want you to raise your hand if God is doing something awesome in your life. Because sometimes we need to proclaim it. Sometimes we need to, we need to be reminded that God is doing something awesome in your life. And you know, sometimes we need to be bold enough to say, you know what, regardless of what it might seem like, whether I'm in the fire or whether I'm not in the fire, I know that God is doing something awesome in my life. You know, we have to be excited. We have to have that excitement. We have to have that excitement always as people of God because God is awesome. God is so powerful. God is so, he is just, he got, he's a big God. That we have to have that excitement. And I know that, I know right now I'm excited definitely for, for this new church that we're getting. You know, I'm excited to have our own place to worship. Thank God for the Marriott. Thank God for this church. It was a blessing. It was great for a season, but now it's a new season and we're going to have our own place to worship. You know, and, and it's been, it's been a process. It's been a ride. You know, especially some of you guys might not have known the old church, but some of you guys have known the old church, you know, and there was so much attached to the building. In all, in all reality, and at the end, it's just a building, but I mean, deliverance took place there, healing took place there, families were restored there, so many beautiful things took place in that church. And I just get so excited because so many new beautiful things are going to take place at our new church. See, at the beginning of the trial, it was almost heartbreaking and the hit was hard. And at the beginning, it was hard to understand what God was doing and just seeing how everybody went through it with the church at the beginning. But thank God that the end is better than the beginning. Oh, man. See, when we read that the end is better than the beginning, what it's really saying is no matter what we might go through, no matter what we might encounter, no matter how difficult the difficulties of life are, that with God, things only get better. Come on. I got something. That with God, things only get better. Because... At the beginning of this trial, it was hard. And now the end of the trial is better.
right? And now we're going into the beginning of a new thing and knowing that the end of that new beginning is only going to get better. You see that? So with God, things only get better. You know, so if you're going through something tonight, if you're going through a season in your life, if you're going through a, a trial, a difficulty, a hard place, a hard time in your life, don't give up because things are better at the end than they are at the beginning. We need to know that. We need to know that because sometimes we're in a trial and, and we feel the weight of that trial. And sometimes we get discouraged. Right? But we need to know that the end is always going to be better than the beginning. Amen? See, we know that God is always on the move, right? God is always on the move. His ways are so much higher than our ways. So much higher than our ways that sometimes we can't really understand what God is doing. See, God is always on the move and everything that he does is for a purpose. And sometimes we don't always understand exactly what God is doing and how he's doing it. You know, but I want you guys to know something. See, we've done so much as a church. Pastor Edgy always reminds us, he goes, you know what? And, and, and I know he doesn't say it to compare us to anyone or to anything else. But he's always saying, you know what? He goes, we're not a little church. In other words, we're a powerful church. We're a church that, that is full of the power of God. We're a church that is full of faith. We're a church that has faith that we, that we do great works uh, for God. See, and we've done so much as a church and we've done so much as a people that I really believe that at our, in our old church and everything that we were doing, that God really wanted to open the windows of heaven and pour out that type of blessing that we don't have room enough to receive. It doesn't happen very often. Imagine having a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. That sounds awesome. See, and I, and I know and, I'm, and I firmly believe that God wanted to pour out a blessing that, there, that it was so big that there was not room enough to receive. But first, we had to be tested. And we had to be tried. Because we have to be found faithful. Right? The Bible says be faithful with the little and then he will entrust you with much. So we had to be tested as a church and be tried faithful. See, we've gone through, we've gone through so much and we've endured so much as a church. But also as individuals. See, I want you to know that we've gone through so much and that we've endured so much as a church, but also as individuals. How many went through hell this year? Oh, man. Right? Some of us have gone through so many different things. Some of us went through some serious trials this year. See, even as individuals, we were tried and we had to endure. And yet here we are today in the house of God, giving him glory, giving him praise, amen, giving him everything because all the honor goes to God. See that? So regardless of how hard the trial was, here we are today in the house of God, giving him praise. See, and, and it never feels good. It never feels good. The trials never feel good. The testing never feels good. 
But one thing that I've learned, and if you can reflect on this, if you've had a relationship with God for a bit, that some of the most valuable things in our life have come out of brokenness. Some of the most valuable things have come out of brokenness. I was sharing with one of the brothers. I, I went to Walmart, and I wanted to buy myself a planner. And I wanted a certain one because I bought one last year, and it was awesome, and I loved it. I used it for like a good two weeks. Amen. From January like 5th to like January 25th and that. But for that, those two weeks, that I loved it. So I wanted the same one. And I go and I'm looking and I'm looking through all the, all the planners and, you know, the monthly planners. And I find one. One left. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I don't know how this happened, but I dropped it and the piece of the plastic broke. And I was so mad. I mean, I kid you not. I was telling everybody how bad of a day I was having because of this binder. I text my wife. I text somebody else. And I was like, oh, this stupid binder. Bam, bam. And anyways, I bought it. And I was like, you know what? I'll go tomorrow and I'll get a different one. But I I was there for like a good hour, so I bought it. And then when I got home, I said, you know what? I saw it. Because I wanted to start a, a new thing with this binder. I wanted to start a new thing, get myself in order. And God ministered to me even through that little situation. And it said, some of the best beginnings begin in brokenness. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I put a line on it and I wrote it on the top that some of the best beginnings begin with brokenness. See, that binder was broken and I was so mad. And God was saying, you know what? Some of the best beginnings begin with brokenness. See, so it never feels good, but some of the most valuable things have come out of, broke, out of brokenness. If you ever read your word and if you came across the scripture about the alabaster box, you know that the alabaster box was a box that held precious, precious perfume. I mean, it was money. It was valuable. It was costly. But the only way to extract its value or to enjoy it was to break it. It had to be broken for us to be able to enjoy it. Amen. So some of the most valuable things have come out of brokenness. But I want to speak to you tonight. I want to speak to you tonight as the people of God that the times of brokenness are over. That the times of brokenness are over. That the beginnings of brokenness are over. And the time of joy has began. Come on. Though sorrow may last for the night, we know that joy comes in the morning. And I tell you tonight that the times of brokenness are over and the times of joy have began. And we can get stirred up in our heart and our spirit and rejoice knowing that God is doing something awesome. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. See, turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 16. Sixteen and verse number twenty, and it says, "Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy." Come on now, I need somebody to get excited with me. I want to know that the word of God is ministering to somebody. It says this. It says this. 
It says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she is she no longer remembers the anguish. But it says, for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one can take from you. Come on, is that awesome or what? It's this man, he goes, you, you, you may weep and you may be full of sorrow and you'll lament, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. And when that joy comes upon you, nobody can take it from you. It cannot be taken from you because it's yours. And it's not only yours and you just didn't get it from anywhere. It came from God. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. See, the word happiness comes from the root word happened. Something happened to you that caused you to be happy. Right? If you won the lottery, I'll probably make you happy. It happened to you. But you only be happy until the money runs out. And then you're no longer happy. <laughs> then you're sad again because there's no money. See, but joy is different. Joy comes from God. Right? Joy comes from God. Joy is an exceeding great happiness that comes from God. And the Bible says that when you have the joy of the Lord... No one can take it from you. Amen. See, with this new church, God has given us much. I don't, I'm really excited about the church. I put it a lot in here. See, with this new church, God has given us much. And whatever is taking place right now, just know that God has given you much. But the Bible says where much is given, much is expected, much is required. See, and in transitioning out of where we are to where we're going, because we're going somewhere. I'm telling you right now, we're going somewhere. Amen. We're going somewhere. Wherever you're at now, you're not going to be there forever. You're going somewhere. Wherever you're now, you're at now, whether you're in the men's home, in the women's home, whether you're a family in the church, it doesn't matter. Wherever you're at, you're going somewhere. You're not going to be there forever. And whatever God gives you, nobody can take it from you because it's yours. See, transitioning out of where we are to where we're going, we're going to have to stir ourselves up. I remember that was a word in the home. Man, you got to stir yourself up. You got to stir yourself up. You got to get excited. You got to know that God is doing something in your life and get excited about it to the point where it stirs up your faith and you believe that nothing is impossible. It doesn't matter what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. You're stirred up. And because you're stirred up in your faith and you're stirred up in the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You could be facing a Goliath, a giant in your life. And the words that come out of your mouth, out of your mouth is, I don't come to you with a sword or a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And I tell you that today you will go down. I tell you that today you will go down. When was, when was the last time that we faced something and you confidently got up and you said, you know what? Today you will go down. I don't care what you did to me yesterday. I don't care what happened yesterday, but today you're going down. And you go about your day, and you end up your day victorious. And you're like, man, you just feel so good 
because you know that God was faithful. See, we're going to have to stir ourselves up. Turn your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. Second Timothy chapter number one. And in verse number six, it says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can I get an amen? The Bible says to stir up. Stir up the gift that is inside of you that was given to you by the laying on of hands. We're going to have to stir ourselves up. See, some of us are already out of the fire. And some of you guys feel like you're still in the fire. But trust me, I tell you today that you're on your way out of the fire. You're not in the fire. You're on your way out of the fire. See, some of you guys are already out of the fire, and some of you guys still like, feel like you're in the fire. I still feel like I'm in the fire, but I know that I'm on my way out. I know that I'm on my way out of the fire because the, 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 the end of something is always better than the beginning. And I've been in this for a while, so I know I'm on my way out. Amen? See, it's time that we, again, stir ourselves up, that we begin to lift our head. Amen? To lift our head and stir ourselves up in the Spirit of God. To lift ourselves up and stir ourselves up in the Holy Ghost. There ain't nothing like the fire of God. There ain't nothing like the fire of God. There ain't nothing like being sure that you're full of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has no limits. The Spirit of God is power. The same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, the Spirit of power lives in you, the Bible says. Amen? It's time that we stir ourselves up. Why? Because God did not give us the spirit of fear. God did not give you the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. Amen? Because fear has a way of paralyzing you and stopping you from functioning in faith. Fear has a way of paralyzing you. Has anybody ever got scared of something? Like actually scared? Like something startled you? Right? It stops you right in your track. doesn't matter how many push-ups you could do. It doesn't matter what you've done. When you get startled, it doesn't matter. <laughs> ah! There was, there was this guy in the home. I mean, this dude, this dude looked tough. I mean, he looked tough. I kid you not. I mean, he was, you know, he was a war veteran. He did time in prison. You know, he had tattoos on top of his tattoos. I mean, this dude was tough. And I remember in the middle of the night, I don't know, there was a, a mouse ran through the kitchen. And all you hear is, ah, ah, and you see this guy tippy-toeing everywhere trying to jump on the counter. I mean, you couldn't help but to laugh. You couldn't help but to laugh. Because here you got this big old guy. I mean, he just looked. I mean, he was tough. When he got, when he got angry, you're like, dang, man, this guy, I don't know. But as soon as he got startled, stopped him dead in his track. I kid you not, I haven't heard falsetto, straight F sharp. <laughs> it was high pitch. Why? Because fear has a way of stopping you. Fear has a way of paralyzing you from functioning in your faith. 
See, and that's why we need to be reminded. Even the scripture says in 1 Timothy, it says, it says, therefore I remind you. I remind you to be stirred up. Fan that flame into a fire. Be stirred up. Be stirred up in the gifts that God has given you. Be stirred up in the ability that God has given you. Be stirred up in the Holy Ghost because God did not give you a spirit of fear. You know that when you're functioning in fear, you're not functioning in faith. It's like the opposite. And when you're functioning in faith, there's nothing to be afraid of. See, fear has a way of paralyzing us. And some of us have, be, have become afraid of the fire of trial that we've forgotten about the fire of God. I'm going to say that again. Some of us have become so afraid of the fire of trial that we forgot about the fire of God. That we've completely forgot about the fire of God. Amen? See, it's important that we stir ourselves up. That way we don't get stuck. If anybody's ever been stuck before, it's the worst place to be, right? Anybody's transmission ever went out? Car don't go forward, backward. No, they ain't going to move at all, right? That's how fear is. It'll get you stuck. It'll get you stuck that you can't move anywhere. See, one of the, one of the things that I like is, uh, have you ever heard anybody, I'm going through it. Man, I'm going through it. And see, It's called going through it. It's not called staying in it. It's called going through it for a reason because we're supposed to go through it. See, and when we get paralyzed by faith, I mean by fear, we get stuck in it. Amen? When we allow fear to overtake us, we get stuck. See, and there are some things that people can do for you, right? I've I've asked for prayer plenty of times. I've asked for a prayer, you know. I, I've gone to somebody for counsel to get a word. See, people can pray for you. People can minister to you. You can fast with somebody. But only you can stir yourself up. Only, only you can stir yourself up. Only you can stir yourself up. That's why it's called stirring yourself up. See, people can pray for you. Someone can minister to you, but it's going to require you, you as an individual, to stir yourself up. No one can stir you up for you. That'd be nice, huh? man. Stir me up real quick, man. Stir me up. <laughs> I'm losing it, brother. Stir me up. Come on. Put hands on me. Stir me up real quick because I'm... No. It'd be good if that was that easy, but no. Why? We have to stir ourselves up. Sometimes we have to get, get up out of our condition. Right? How about the man by the pool of Bethsaida? He had been there for 25 years. Every time the pool was stirred up, he says, I have no one to put me in. And because he was waiting for someone to put him in, he stayed in his condition for 25 years. See, some things we have to do for ourselves, and stirring ourselves up is one of them. Stirring ourselves up is one of the things that we have to do for ourselves. It's going to take you getting up and remembering God's faithfulness. Remembering God's faithfulness. God is faithful. The Bible even goes on to say that God is faithful even when we lack faith. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. 
See, it's going to take us to get up and remember God's faithfulness. Remember the power of God. Sometimes we're so consumed by the power that our trial and that our our situation is going over us that we forget about the power of God. You know, and here goes another one of those old cool cliche sayings. I like those, man. You know? I remember, you know, one of those OGs telling me, you know, they got their little sayings and I think they're cool. And he says, don't tell God how big your problems are. He goes, tell your problem how big your God is. Woo! Imagine that. See, sometimes we forget about the power of God. We need to get up and remember, really remember. I'm not talking about just thinking about it and having it cross your mind, but having it settle in your heart and having it settle in your spirit that your God is powerful, that your God is big, that your God is already overcome. It says, in the world you will have trials and troubles of many kind, but don't fear the world because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. See, sometimes we forget about the power of God. Remember all the things that God has already done. And know that he will continue to do them. Remember all the things that God has already done. And just know, be convinced that he will continue to do them. If you go to Romans chapter number four, Romans chapter number four and verse 19, it says, and not being weakened in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. See, here we're reading the story of Abraham. And God told Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. He says, just as the stars in the heaven and the sand of the seas, so your descendants shall be on this earth. And his name means father of many. That's what Abraham means. And here he goes about his business with the promise of God, with the word from God, and nothing taking place. And here the Bible says, it says, And not being weakened in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he promised, he was also able to perform. Being fully convinced that what God promised, he is able to perform. See, we need to remember all the things that God has done. We need to remember the power of God. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. We need to remember what God has already done. And we need to be fully convinced like Abraham, knowing that he's still going to continue to do it. What, what, I mean, I don't know, that's a touchy subject, I think. A hundred years old. A hundred years old. I'm 34. I could barely jog still. He was a hundred years old. And he said he did not waver. It didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter what people said. It didn't matter what it sounded like. He knew that he who promised was able to perform what he had promised. See, we need to be like Abraham and be strengthened in our faith. We need to be like Abraham and be strengthened in your faith. It doesn't matter what, how much faith you feel you had, because sometimes we feel fully charged in our faith. 
And sometimes we feel we're running on low, on empty. Right? But the Bible says that even with faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, mountain, move out of my way. Mountain, move out of my way. How many of you guys have some mountains? You know what? I Even as I'm preaching this message, I still have mountains in my way. And I need to be stirred up in my faith that when I see that mountain again, I say, you know what, mountain? Move out of my way because I'm going somewhere. Move out of my way because I have a calling. Move out of my way because I have a promise. Move out of my way because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through you. <laughs> Amen? And it's time that we activate that faith again. It's time that we activate that faith again. Second Corinthians 5, 7. You don't have to turn there. But it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. That we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, when you read the word walk, it doesn't mean you're everyday walking that you're going to guess and hopefully you make it through the double doors. But walk also means the way we live. The way we live. That we live by faith. We live by faith and not by sight, not by the things that we see. So our life should be lived by faith. See, everything we've ever done, everything that Pastor Edgy, I know since I've been with Pastor, everything he does is by faith. He always tells us, Flacco, there's never enough time. There's never the perfect time. There's never enough money. It has to be by faith. Yeah. He says, the old people think you're too old. The young people think you're too young. The people at the right time think it's not the right time. He goes, man, he goes, there's never a right time. We just have to do it. We just have to be obedient to the word of God. We have to be obedient to what God is doing. And we have to do it by faith. See, everything that we've ever done has been by faith. And I think sometimes we forget that and we start using our logic and we start thinking of systems or we start thinking of of methods and we start thinking of all these things that we forget that it's by faith. We forget that it's by faith. We forget that without faith, regardless of what you do, regardless of how good your plan is, regardless of how bright your idea is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be we're going to be wrapping it up here. Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven. It's by faith. Verse number one. Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for, and the evidence of the things not yet seen. Evidence will bring forth the things that you hope for, the things that you desire, the things that you need. The substance of the things hoped for. And it is the evidence of the things not yet seen. How do you have evidence of something that you don't yet see? By faith. By believing. See, it says now, faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Verse 2, for by faith the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the world was framed by the words of God. Verse 4, by faith uh, Abel offered uh, to God a more 
excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away that he did not see death. 6, without faith it is impossible to please God and he... It is impossible to please him, for whoever comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things not yet seen. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. Verse 9, by faith, he dwelt in a land that he did not know. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength. By faith. say by faith Abraham went to a place that he did not know believing and trusting God you know they say that there's fear of the unknown right there's a fear of the unknown the Bible says that Abraham didn't know where he was going but by faith by faith, he went to a place that he did not know to obtain his promise. See, some of you guys might feel like you don't know where you're going or you're not sure or you're waiting for that double, triple, quadruple confirmation. <laughs> God already said it, but we want confirmation here. We want a confirmation on Candy Crew. We want a confirmation on work. We want a confirmation in the clouds. We want a confirmation everywhere. jump or scream or just know that you're full of power, it doesn't matter. But stir yourself up. And also, faith. Back to the simple. Being full of faith. Let us all stand tonight. out of darkness into the light transitioning out of sin by the blood of Jesus unto sanctification to God and if there's anybody here tonight who has genuinely never received salvation that is your first transition knowing that God loves you so much that he's rescuing you and he's showing you so many different signs and he's showing you so many different things and he's speaking to you in so many different ways 
that the right thing to do is respond to God's salvation. And if there's anybody here tonight who has never received salvation by faith, raise your hand and I'll pray with you tonight. Amen. And I also want to open up these altars tonight because I know the church as a body of Christ, we're in a transition. I know myself as an individual, I'm in a transition. And if you're in a transition tonight and you're ready to cross over because transition is the process or the period of changing from one state or condition to another, God, I'm ready to change over. Switch me over. This period's over. This process is done. And you need to come back to that place where you stir yourself up. All I see right now is the picture of the waters being stirred up waiting for somebody to jump in and there's going to be people that jump in the water and get healed and there's going to be people to say I have no one to take me into the water and there's also some of us that need to come back to faith come back to faith I've leaned on my my own understanding too much I need to come back to faith and I want to open up these altars tonight for everybody to come and stir yourselves up in the fire of God, in the presence of God, it happens.